Hey everybody, it's Blake. This is Drew. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two-Spoke Controllers Podcast. Welcome to episode 104 of the podcast. If you listen to the show, you know we got just one game for you, and you might even know what that game is. But we're going to get into that in just a moment. I'm going to start with a little social media spiel. You can find us on all social media platforms just by searching the name of the podcast. There you can keep track of the coming and goings of the podcast. Most importantly, we want people to come to our Twitch streams with our cousin slash podcast editor, Brian. Follow us there and drop in when we go live at twitch.tv forward slash two smoking controllers. That's the most important thing because that's that's where a lot of the fun we're having is. Making the podcast is fun too, but those are important because we, we, maybe important is the wrong word. It's just fun and our next episode is, is going to be one of our Twitch, we call them Twitch episodes, but it's like the three smoking controllers co-op endeavors podcast well, episodes. The full title is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers presents lock stock and three smoking controllers co-op endeavors there you go so come to those so you can hang out hang out on the streams and then you, then you can enjoy the uh, podcast episodes and write in of course and uh be, you know, become a part of the podcast if you want and we'll you know do that stuff on the episodes that are that we do that on uh and lastly we have a store and a patreon page both of those just support the cost of maintaining the podcast which more or less just involves uh, paying uh, devious whenever we need more art for the podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, really about it. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what that's for. Links to uh, all the stuff can be found in the show notes because we know typing the name out everywhere is probably a hassle. But you can find links to everything at the bottom of the show notes. Uh, with that said, we're gonna I'm gonna let Blake take over here as he get, intros you to the game and tells you a little bit about the company who made who made the game. The game we're talking about today is. Life is Strange, True Colors. Also known as Life is Strange 3 True Colors, but that one's not... I think it's really just Life is Strange True Colors is where you find it most of all. It originally came out September 10th, 2021 on everything but the Switch. <laughs> Go figure. And then it came, everything on in September, and then come December, later that year, it would be put out on the Switch because they had to de-optimize it, I'm sure. <sighs> Because the game is far too pretty to run smoothly on a Switch. Yeah, they had to make it worse. So enough uh, Switch shaming. So it is published by Square Enix and is developed by Deck 
9. Now, Deck 9 has a bit of a, a history. The founders, which are Mark Lyons and Scott Adkins, both worked for Sony Interactive Studios of America, uh, the San Diego division, for many years. And then Mark Lyons uh, left the company and he moved to Colorado and wanted to start up his, his own company. In, and that was in 1997 when he left to make his own company. Well, he left to Colorado, started a family, and then he's like, well, I want to get back to work now that I'm more stable and we need more income. So he started a small company with his friend who was still living in San Diego, so they were just shooting back and forth via email for a long time. And eventually would come up with the, the studio Idle Minds, where in t November 2007 they would release a physics-based ragdoll game called Pain on uh, PlayStation 3, I believe it was. Or on PSN, rather. And in 2008, it was one of the top 10 most downloaded games on the PSN. That's crazy. I never even heard of it. Yeah. And it was just a, a wackadoo thing for fun. Now, it's probably a while. I don't, really, I don't really jump on things like that. It's just a ragdoll physics game, basically, you know. Yeah. And they made games from 98 to 2005. And those were all a series of bunch of weird games, no, not weird games, just off different games, um, which were basically the cool borders, like the snowboarding games, and then the, the rallycross games. They make cool borders? Uh, three and four, and in 2001, the remake. Hmm. I mean, I played, we, we probably played one of, like, not those ones, we probably played cool borders one back in the day on the PlayStation. Because how they how they started because they were on friendly terms with Sony Interactive Studios they're just like hey man give us some uh, some some work we'll we'll be we'll do freelance for you and they they must they did did really well for a long time and they got up to about 46 50 i think it was 46 employees and then in 2000 and and 2011 okay no scratch that I'll get that in a second but with pain though that was their first original IP was Pain. And yes, it was one of the most downloaded games in 2008. But come October in 2009, because their only source of funding was from Sony Interactive. Sony Interactive told them, the games you're making are selling, but they're not selling well. We need you to cut your company down by half. So they literally had to let go more, actually more than half. They had 46 employees and they let go of 26. And it was all because the only, like I said, the only source of money they have is from Sony. And then in 2011, they decided to try their hand at another, uh, another independent, uh, not independent, an original IP called Ruin. And it was going to be a, you know, Diablo, like third person, you know, so on and so forth. And then in 2012... They, did Ruin come out? Also, haven't heard of that either. No, 2012. It 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 was rebranded. Its name was rebranded to Warriors Lair. And in 2013, Sony canceled the project. Is that close to the PS? Was it Warriors of Lair, like Lair the Dragon game? It may have been, but this like is a spinoff. This is called Warriors Lair. Warriors Lair. Okay, not Warriors of Lair or anything. No, because there was that weird Lair. That launch was, title for PS3. Launch for PS3. No, this is just called Warriors apostrophe S layer and then I just just there wasn't a hype for it I guess and so Sony's like now nah, it's Sony's fault Sony's like eh we're we're gonna be done with that 
in 2012. And so because all their other games have been lacking, they decided, uh, let's try to make, get some, their main, I'm assuming their main thought was let's get some, some funding. So they switched all their focus to mobile gaming to try to get some sort of funding coming in, which they made four games, four mobile games. And then, and then they decided like, Ooh, we have a really cool idea. It's a game called Shutterbug, and we're going to do a Kickstarter for uh, $400,000 and make this game. The, uh, the Kickstarter was canceled, well, not canceled, but it ended after its 10 day run of them needing $400,000 and only made $2,732. How's this company still around? I don't know. <laughs> I really, I really don't. Because, and they just kind of struggled. They just honestly, they really did just struggle as idle minds. And then in May, May 31st of 2017, they went for, they were changing focus again to focus on narrative games. And in so doing, they also wanted to change their name to try to get rid of the bad juju that they were currently going through, which landed them on deck nine. And with this, they, they did, um, Life is Strange Before the Storm. That's the first thing they did is Deck Nine? Mm-hmm. The first thing they did is Deck Nine was Life is Strange Before the Storm. It's weird coming from obscurity and a whole list of games of... Uh, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not anybody special, but a whole list of games I haven't heard of and a, and a lot of, of failure to then land on Before the Storm, which is something I genuine, genuinely enjoyed. Mm-hmm. A much higher quality of anything else that you see from their history. Yes. I don't know if it was backing. I don't know if they had backing and help from... Dot don't know how do you how do you say their name? I'm not sure. Dotnod, you know they we they talked even, about them because they did uh, they do Life is Strange one and then they, I think they do Life is Strange two two. So the, so Deck Nine gets Before the Storm and then True Colors. Yeah, Before the Storm, which is kind of supposed to be like a like not not necessarily but a throwaway because pe- these people aren't throwing away money as you can tell by cutting half yeah. their people. Well, I'll give I got to give Deck Nine credit here. I despise prequels mm-hmm. to the very core of my being. I despise prequels. I think it's, you do a prequel when you've ran out of ideas, you do a prequel so you can go, Oh cool. Look at this stuff that reminds me of the other thing that I liked. Yeah. It's, it's, it's lazy. It's done. Every, everybody does it. it. It's just a cheap grab at everything before the storm is the first of anything that I remember on top of my head, of, of a prequel of anything that I think is so good that it should be played before the main, before Life is Strange one. No, definitely, you definitely need yeah. it because it come out years after, of course, but it's the only thing I ever played that it ain't just it ain't just grasping at the first game the entire time at all. It does it does its own thing and it adds it actually does its own thing and adds a lot to the first game. I feel like and I always tell anybody who's playing Life is Strange. Uh, the first, and they both got re-released, kind of like, kind of like, like re- remasters and stuff like that. So I would always recommend playing Before the Storm first. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you don't have 100%. to, obviously. You can play in release order, but like Before the Storm is genuinely very, very good and way better than Life is Strange too. Like in every possible way, it's better than Life is Strange too. It's a lot to do with writing and stuff like that. They have a. I don't know where they're, why they weren't writing games as, a, as their previous company, or maybe they landed a, a really good writer at some point when they expanded to Deck Nine. But Before the Storm is genuinely very good, and I don't take that lightly because, I mean, 
anybody who knows me, Blake especially, I cannot stand a prequel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I, I do find prequels obnoxious. Especially like when you so when you get so deep into a franchise, and then they're like, "Hey, we're two or three games or movies or books deep," and they're like, "I'm out of ideas." So here's a fifth one or a fourth one that takes place before the first one, and it's literally just me regurgitating everything and everything you already know, everything that I've already told you in previous things, but I want to want to talk about it a little longer because I, I have nothing else to talk about. Yeah, like I get I pseudo get prequels sometimes because you want to establish but it's just the the how they are used nowadays oh, yeah. is just a money grab desperate plea always yeah. always <laughs> and it's 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 mild more than mildly it is ups, quite upsetting yeah before the storm interesting enough is like in, in most prequels i don't think can do it uh before the storm can stand on its own you can play it and not even play the life is strange and you and you have a perfectly fine game and experience yeah. And it's also the the most normal. There's no yeah. There's not. There's not. Yeah. And somehow they pull it off. Where there's like, no superpowers. There's no. There's no. There's, there's hints of them mm-hmm. in it, but they never. There's no direct uh, superpowers in it. And uh, I don't know. It's just good. It's just genuinely good. And to go from that, because we would have played Life is Strange that and we played Before the Storm, and we would have. We were generally excited about uh, Life is Strange because there was the, the in between game. The little half game in between. Oh, Captain, Captain Spirit. Captain the Adventures Spirit. of Captain Spirit. That was kind of cool. And then, that, uh, then when you play Life is Strange two, everything comes to nothing because Life is Strange two is as a whole different game that's just bad. <laughs> well, they had a, an idea, and it was just it sucked. Yeah, no sucked. offense to them. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, but moving on from that, the minute I mean, I guess you're gonna tell me if they go straight from, do they go straight from like uh, before the storm in, into development for True Colors or? Yes. So they literally goes. Hold on, I had the numbers. So as Deck Nine. In 2017, they did before the storm. Um, do you know? Sorry, do you know if it, if it was like a storm received well and as, as a success at all? But, but before the storm was incredibly well received. Yeah, it was. It's not. It wasn't the the best one, but it was very, very well received for for everything, for acting, for just actually that was that's a weird thing because like the original voice actress didn't come back. That was a writer's strike. Because there was a writer's strike, but then she came back and did the DLC and yeah. stuff like that. So people were excited for her. But that's, I think we talked about that with the on the Don't Knit episode, I think. Don't know. Uh, maybe. I mean, you can talk, you mentioned it now, real quick, because it's, it's, I mean, it's the main character. I mean, not, not that we're not talking about that game, because yeah. it, we probably should move on. But there was a writer's strike. The voice actress obviously held, held to her strike. And then uh, when they yeah, came her back. Her name up, is uh, Ashley Birch, who mm-hmm. did the voice for Chloe Price in the original Life is Strange. Mm hmm. And then she did not, due to support of the writer's strike, for Before the Storm. But it came back for like a, there's a, there's like a little post-game, little couple of scenes, and then she come back and did that. Yeah. Which is pretty, you know, she's like, I love the character, but she's like, I gotta stick to my guns. Yeah. And so that was received well enough, and then the Life of Strange 2 came out, and it was acceptable. I think other people had similar issues to what you and I had, considering Life of Strange one and Before the Storm, and mm-hmm. this was a it was they were, a, they, were they were more focused. And it, this was it was a road movie where each episode the characters were incredibly one sided, and you knew exactly what you were getting into just by talking to them one time, and it was over and done with. As, and I, they they learned from their mistake because with Life is Strange, uh, was two was was two deck nine or two was Donated. Donated. So Donated did do straight up did did know, two did yeah. one and two. Pretty sure I remember that, yeah. And with this one, 
Life is Strange True Colors, they learn from the mistake of the road thing, which it's a cool idea and concept. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know they, they would call it a mistake. Yeah, they, they, they don't. I don't think they do. But the entire game takes place in a single town with a, a cast of characters that you're introduced to, you know, you know, intermittently, but very early in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. And you get to figure out the ins and outs and whims. And some of them, you know, leave and come. Well, actually, I think some of them leave and don't come back or, yeah. you know. One definitely leaves and doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> they like this stuff enough with Before the Storm and with this that they are responsible. They did do the Life is Strange remaster collection. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And due to their success with these um, episodic-esque games, this well, one wasn't... True Colors was the first one that they kind of... Because I think the world's kind of passed this yeah. episodic nonsense. So I think True Colors was the first one that's just like a chapter-based game. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got away from it. Yeah, because it is. it was released in its entirety. Now, it's obviously broken down into chapters, chapters and stuff. Yeah. Like, you could... It, they just decided not to release it in pieces. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole experience. Mm-hmm. It, well, instead of calling it episodic, they're like, it's a book broken into chapters. And that's, how, that's their stupid little thing. Because nothing was called episode. It was all called chapters. Yeah. And the, the last thing that they're working on, as of this year, 23, is the, uh, the Expanse, the Telltale um, series. They're working on that with Telltale. So, so they're so they're not exactly tied to Donut then. Mm-mm. Okay, I think they just have to do really well with these, and so yeah. they're like, "Well, let's stick with this narrative-driven idea that we've talked about." Yeah, we got to get back to the Expanse. I guess we kind of drifted away because it was just too political and gabby. People just talk, 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 and I don't know. We got we got to give it another try. But again, uh, I want I want to see what the, I want to see now. What they could do with them, maybe maybe now that they've kind of seem like seem like they've more than kind of proved themselves with other people's IP. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they can do with their own IP at some point. I know I know maybe that maybe it takes more than a couple of games, and then for somebody really hands you your own IP, but sure they've got some ideas bouncing around. So the this is like the cool thing where sometimes the government helps out is because the game is based in a, a fictional town in Colorado, and the the CEO, I guess, of the company, the Mark Lyons, lives in Colorado. He was able to apply for certain grants and incentives. The Colorado Office of Economic Development and International Trade supported Deck Nine with a whopping $2.5 million. Jesus, for a video game? Of, well, growth incentive tax credits. And they used, they also used the Colorado Office of Film, Television, and Media in the production of True Colors for an additional $150,000. They got, yeah. It's like all those movies and stuff you see that have like all the support from Canada. Support from Canada or like there's, there's film I- down Ireland and New Zealand have all these, like everybody does it, but it seems like everybody does it, but America. Yeah, but this part America's, America's too selfish. A little bit, yeah. So they, they, Because they got to do all that really cool stuff. And the sad thing is all this really cool stuff happened in, like I said, in 2001 and they're working on The Expanse. And then I hate the end. Not, not 2001. Well, 2021. 2021. But I have to end on a, a sour note. Because they've been doing really well. But then it says right here that I don't know what their full total number is anymore of employees. Because it's kind of bounced. But it says in May 2023, Deck 9 reportedly laid off 30 employees. That's So that's not just Deck 9. Uh, 
you, I don't know if you read all the stuff that's across the whole gaming industry. Oh, it is. Yeah, huge, even big company. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, freaking Epic did it. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's. Everybody, I think I remember hearing about it, yeah. and I don't. <laughs> Somebody said so. So they laid off like 30, 30 employees. Like Epic laid off like thirty percent, which was like nine hundred. I don't. I don't remember the numbers, but what Epic laid off. Like it was like it was like it's like it's just a small percent, but it was like hundreds of people. Yeah. Epic's got so much so much people working on Fortnite and stuff. They only want to talk about but, uh, the, the layoff across gaming is the whole industry. So mm-hmm. that's not don't, I mean I say don't worry about them because they they could be in trouble. But like that's the, literally the whole industry this year got a huge layoff across the board. People were wondering what's happening with. I think it's because the expensive gaming is taking a toll and stuff like that, and yeah. the rising prices and everything, all the other craziness that's going on. But anyway, that's not just Deck Nine. Okay, well, okay, so they're not doing, but they're just, they're just the industry standard, unfortunately. Some, some, some weird industry thing is going on, and everybody's kind of, everybody lost a bunch of people, had to lay off. I mean, it's literally, all the big companies did it, too. And much like these these narrative games, is they had a lead writer, a, a senior writer, and then three staff writers to help blend it all together. And the same thing happened with directing. There was a dialogue director a performance director because this is also the first um, mocap that they've ever they've, that they've done for Life is Strange. This is the first mocap for any Life is Strange or or just their in, it, well, any, any of them. Any, any Life is Strange. This is the first mocap performance they've they've caught in the series. Cool. So there was an overall director, a dialogue director, performance director, and then the narrative director. That also might be they got rid of three out of four of those people. <laughs> Maybe when they're lengthy. Because you don't, I don't think you need that. I mean, I could, I could see two, yeah. like, you know, dialogue and then like a performance, like a dialogue, director. dialogue, yeah. narrative, and then the mocap director, mocap performance. I could see, cause those are different skills. Yeah. I wonder if they had the, uh, well, it's, I guess it's not like the, not like Naughty Dog where they have enough money to have like the, I wonder if it was the <clears throat> Naughty Dog. It's the, um, the voice actors doing their own motion. They do the acting. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't know how common that is in the industry. I don't know if that's specifically like Last of Us and uh, Uncharted, but uh, I wonder if any of the voice actors just did the voices or they did any motion capture. It's hard to tell these days. It is really with hard. That, without having a little behind-the-scenes diaries and stuff. So, Because uh, they're all kind of small, too, so I can, I'll plow through these directors real quick. The director of... The narrative director is a Jonathan Zimmerman. And the only thing he's had any part of directing wise is this was he was the performance director. His next big thing is he's actually uh, one of the staff writers for the Expanse Telltale. Those are his only two credits so far. Then we have the performance director, which is Webb Pickersgill. That's his name. That's his name. Pickersgill. Now he himself is more of a cinematographer, so he has a bunch of like shorts and independent things that I that are there. Basically, so I can see why he would have been the one doing the performance directing because he has an eye for how that things go. He was also the co-director for Life is Strange before the storm. He was the co-director of that. Now, our dialogue director is Chuck Carr and his stuff is he. Well, cool. Randomly enough, uh, one of his first the first game he ever worked on was a music director for Neopets, the darkest fairy, which was one of the games that they made as idle minds. So they've they, 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 worked together for Real a while. Neopets has come up like two podcasts in a row. It is strange. But he's also... Life is strange. He was the music editor for Twisted Metal Head On, which I think was the PSP one. Mm-hmm. And then a Gran Turismo, a Siphon Filter, and something called Rise to Honor, which was a 
Video game starring Jet Li. I can kind of I can kind of picture the front of the case, which, which is really just rising on with Jet Li doing like a kick or something. Yeah, I don't I don't think we played it. I don't think so either. And then our overall director is Zach Garris, and he has some. So he directed True Colors, and he was the lead writer for Before the Storm. But one really cool, interesting credit uh, was he was character design. An additional game designer in 2012 for Kingdoms Kingdoms of Amalur: The Reckoning, the original. Wow, that's a weird credit. Yeah, but we've talked about how that game. Yeah. So there's a lot of people. This is also their first time doing these these jobs. Yeah, I mean, I had to learn somewhere, and I did. I, you know, as we talk about the game, well, like we actually, we a spoiler. We uh, we like we liked True Colors uh, quite a bit more than Life is Strange too. So. Oh yeah, totes my goats. And same thing for, I'm not going to go into the staff writers because that, that gets complicated, Because, but I will do the lead writer. And the only other thing she'd done was she wrote she wrote on Life is Strange Before the Storm. And then since then, she was credit writer or staff writer. She is now senior staff writer. So she's at least stayed with the company got, long enough to move up. Got promoted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is there, is there a thing we can <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if folks like this part of the podcast, but this this kind of kind of stuff we like. We we do this on the on the movie podcast too. We like this, and nobody ever talks about the creators. Hardly ever talks about the creators of games. When you talk about game creators, you're only ever talking about like Hideo Kojima, <laughs> which we love him as much as the next guy. But like you don't, we only ever, the industry only ever, ever talks about the famous people. Yeah, P, I, I recognition where, where it's due. I, I feel mm-hmm. though some of it in this case were like was like one a piece, but. They've done a great job. They're they're, they're on their way. Finally. Finally, yeah. They've had a a rugged start. I hope they get something different. I I mean, great, good, cool. The Expanse will get the the company some money and stuff like that, but I hope they get to do something. I want to see them try and do something original. Yeah. Because well, Donnet hasn't, they haven't, as far as I know, they haven't announced another one. They've, they've announced their next game, mm-hmm. but they, I don't think they, I don't know if there's another Life is Strange in the books or not. Yeah, I didn't see, because I didn't, I don't, I, I didn't look into The Expanse at all. Yeah. Figure out if it was being it'll be, released. It'll, it'll be years before we do that. Yeah, I didn't see if it was anything with being, if it was a game rather. It's supposed to be like the first release of the restructured Telltale. Yeah. But I don't know if it's being released uh, episodically or if it's going to be released as an entirety. Dedicated episode just talking about that disaster of a company. <laughs> but are we talk about the game? Yes, I I think so. It was good. I guess that about wraps it up. I, I, I actually, I kind of wanted to preface that was it being the best-selling Life is Strange game. It's 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 down is. Maybe not. Well, if it's the name established, or if it's just something, yeah. that, how just just maybe just a weird thing, you know. So, so when stuff sells, it's just like sometimes one just sells really good. Yeah, it was, this one was promoted pretty well. I feel very like. well. Yeah, I think that's another thing too. Was well, like when it came out, it peaked number six on the UK boards mm-hmm. on the video game selling boards, and in in the US, it was in the top ten for ten months. So it did like. I couldn't find the amount anywhere because sometimes it's really hard to find the. It's so hard to find how much a game sells. They only tell you how much a game sells if it hits a million. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only time you ever know how much how many times a game sells usually. Now, granted, this game probably sold well over a, you know a million copies. I'm guessing due to the kind of popularity of it. Yeah, and it's very very well received. Like everything, like I didn't. There was an. It's all above average sevens another i don't think very few people gave it like tens and stuff because there are some technical difficulties and some kind of plot twists you can see coming 
Mm-hmm. But everything I saw was... There's like two things that happened that I... Didn't really see coming. Yeah. Well, three. One thing, the main thing that happens, one of the results of it, and then the one thing at the end, I was just like, huh, cool. Yeah. You know, like the month, the first thing that happened, the first big thing that happened, I was like, oh, damn. And then there's, a res- you know, we're going to get into it because we are going to, um, yeah, pre- as we get into this, we are going to, this is in a hundred percent a story game. The game, the gameplay itself is walking around and talking to people. Uh, she had the girl, the main character, Alex mm-hmm. has a, a, a power herself, not as big and bombacious as other powers you may have seen in life is strange, but she has, she does have abilities that lets her, you know, feel people's feelings. It's called like an empath, I guess. Yeah. Being an empath. Um, also train of thought, but We'll talk loosely about the gameplay, really, but it's going to be a lot about the people of the town and the story and the major, major plot points. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, ever written in a video game happens in this. It doesn't really come to anything, unfortunately, because you get you get to make choices, and both the choices don't really go anywhere, which is the kind of the flaw of choice-driven games. But there is a specific plot point that I've I thought that was they were brave. To actually put to do, if that, I think involving, I know you're talking involving, about. yes, we'll get to that because it's the results of something earlier and the call, you know, the cause of it and the results of it and how another character deals with it. I was completely surprised that they uh, chose that path in the writing. Again, it didn't doesn't result in anything in particular, but the 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 moment that you're experiencing what how that character is dealing with it is like. I was just kind of, kind of, literally, I'm, I'm rarely ever stunned in a video game, especially by writing, but like the, and how that character, I mean, we're going to get to, I'm, I know I'm, I'm talking something up really big. I don't really talk up too many things in video games, though I love video games. Uh, most of the time, video games disappoint me. <laughs> it's like me with, with everything, everything I get in media, in video games and movies and TV shows. Most of the time, I'm disappointed. Um, but there is a moment, a, an incredible moment. Not a happy moment, but an incredible moment in this game that uh, we will speak of when we get to it. Uh, anyway, tons of spoilers. We're going we're, we're to we're talk about everything. This is a full spoiler. If you have not played this game and you want to, do not listen to this podcast until after you've played the game. Please, we're going to spoil some major... Like, There's a big event pretty early in the game, and then there's that stuff, and then there's some stuff later in the game that I just... If you know what's going to happen... It sucks. Yeah, we have, we had no clue. So just please don't listen to this if you haven't played the game. That might go for you too as well, Brian. I don't know if, you, if you've played the game, but it would suck to edit this if you're interested in playing this game. That would be terrible. And that would be terrible. I do apologize if you haven't played it. It's not very long. Maybe you could play it real quick before you edit the podcast. Oh yeah, you could totally it's, squeeze uh, that in because I know you're not working right now. Yeah, yeah, you're on the winter vacation. But uh, with that said. Please play the game first if you're interested. Uh, do you want to get started somewhere, Blake? Yes. So the game's broken down into five chapters. Not episodes, but five chapters. Mm-hmm. Titled Side A, Lanterns, Monster or Mortal, which I think probably has one of the, one of my, probably my favorite part of the game. Oh yeah, it's cool. And it all leads me to want to also see... Also hints at what they... Maybe some other ideas they might that have. They, that they could possibly do, yeah, yeah which we'll talk about. We'll get it might not, I think... I think that part of the game, we'll get to it, is, is them just showing something that they want to do that has nothing to do with Life is Strange. Yeah, that they haven't had a chance to do. Yeah, it's really cool. And then it's Flicker and Side B. In case you can't tell by the first and the last episode, our main character, Ale- Alexandra... 
Alex Chen is musically inclined, and there's a lot of music stuff that goes on. That's all to the life of yeah. life is strange. Well, except for life is strange too, which didn't care nothing about music. It's about road music and stuff road, like that. Road, yeah, boy, boy, oh boy. All right, the game takes place in 2019, mm-hmm. and we immediately get into some sadness with our main character. Mm-hmm. Will you find out she's been in the uh, like a foster care group home mm-hmm. for the last eight years? Because her brother had aged out of the system. Moved on with his life. Well, he had moved on, but he wasn't qualified enough. Like he couldn't take care of her. He couldn't pass the the exam you know, the the background checks and all that stuff. He didn't have the the ability to take care of her. And so he he was not allowed to adopt his sister. And he couldn't stay in the he couldn't stay with her in the building Mm -hmm. or or the the center. At the center, yeah. And he couldn't take her. So he was kind of just they wrote letters to one another, but that's literally all they could do. Yeah. But the, it starts on a happy note where she ha- she finally gets out. It's the day of her 18th birthday or the week of. I don't think they kick you out the day you turn 18 because <laughs> there's like, you know, the wrap up at the end. But she's just recently turned 18 and they're giving her the boot. But they're like, oh, don't worry. Your brother bought you a ticket and on a bus and you can go here. And it was weird that her brother, technically because her brother's like working and stuff. I guess he couldn't just go. I mean, he just drive however many hours so she ends up getting on a bus mm-hmm. and she shows up to town to yeah. haven springs colorado mm-hmm. hipster town tiny little mountain town in colorado oh yeah very it's, it's a little it's a cute little community oh yeah very cute everyone and then basically this whole it's, intro well, is let's say, i'll say this is quite a bit smaller than the uh what's the what's the town in life is strange one something bay Oh, Arcadia Bay. Arcadia Bay. How did I just pull that? <laughs> you pulled that out of nowhere. I struggled so left and right. That's, 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 that's a much. That's a much. Now, granted, you, you don't go all, all over. You go. I mean, you go to places. You go to the places, school. Or, you go to the yeah. town. You go. Yeah, you go all the places. But but this Haven Springs is much. They they really wanted to tighten it and focus it on this. They tightened this community. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think tightening is what makes for better writing and stuff like that. You're not so expanded that you're writing for so many people and doing all this stuff. You can really focus. On creating strong characters, because you have a you're, you're bombarded right here. It feels like a huge cast of characters, but as you play through, and you have a little word board up here that I tried to help Drew with, and then I realized it was it looked like doo doo, so I had to redo it. But there's a it's a large cast of characters that you are shoveled into very yeah. quickly. But then when you meet them um, organically throughout mm-hmm. as the story goes on. He's like, oh, okay, it's that guy. Because there's literally just like a like a shotgun blast of eat these characters, know these characters. Because you're introduced to, you have our, our our main girl, the 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 MC, the main girl, Alex Chen. You immediately meet her brother Gabe, and they're super happy to meet one another. And then, as you're going through, you meet Ethan, who is not Gabe's son, but Gabe's girlfriend's son. But Gabe's practically helped raise the boy, so he's yeah. he's. Da- you know, damn near his father. Pretty much his dad, yeah. And then you get introduced to other folk around the town. You have uh, the woman who runs the record store. Uh, she's also the town DJ. She's Stephanie. And she's actually a reprising character from Before the Storm, Stephanie uh, Gingrich. Mm-hmm. And she she has a DLC called Wavelengths, yeah, which didn't, we didn't play. I didn't play. I didn't care enough. I mean, I, honestly, I didn't kind of care enough about her as a character. Yeah, and... Also, I don't think it added any achievements. Well, that's not that's one thing. But, yeah. Uh, I just didn't care. I mean. But it's about like how, where her character left before the storm, 
what she did and how literally it ends the day yeah. Alex Chen walks into her record store. I think it. I think the problem is the whole thing is like an hour mm-hmm. and it's not free. I yeah. don't think it was free to play it. And I, it know, I, know, I know they spent time developing it probably, but like I think it's a little like an hour long. Yeah. Probably should have watched it. You probably could have. But. <laughs> probably should have. But anyway, we didn't. But yeah, so the, you, we get introduced to Stephanie, who is one of the love interests that Alex can pick from. Yeah. And then you're immediately introduced also to a gentleman named uh, Ryan. Was it? How do you pronounce that last name? Lucan, I think. Mm-hmm. Ryan Lucan. And he is a wildlife ranger and Gabe's best friend. Mm-hmm. He is also the son to uh, Jedediah, or Jed, everyone calls him Jed. And he runs the bar where, and Gabe lives, Gabe works at the bar, and Gabe lives in the apartment building above the bar, mm-hmm. which he gives to Alex. So she has a place to live, and Gabe stays at Charlotte. Why everything gets at yeah, Charlotte? Char- you, you mentioned Charlotte. You mentioned her son, but Charlotte is Ethan's mother. Ethan's mother. Yeah. Sorry about that. And she runs the Silver Dragon Dispensary, which mm-hmm. is a uh, it's it's a weed shop. It's a, disp- it's a dispensary. It's a dispensary. That's yeah. all there is to it. Just a small town needs one. Yeah, especially in Colorado. Need a need a dispensary and a record store mm-hmm. to really hammer home the the hipsterness of it all. <laughs> and who am, who am I missing? Okay, th- now th- we get. There are some smaller minor characters. Mm-hmm. You have you have Riley and her grandmother Eleanor, who run a flower shop. Mm-hmm. Riley dates a, a kid, not a kid. They're all of age. Uh, dates a dude named <laughs> Mac, and so Mac works at the big. There's a big mining company called Typhoon. Mm-hmm. Mac works there. He's like uh, the guy who just takes calls. He's a can you think of the word coordinator? Um, he works for Typhoon. Dispatcher. Hey, guys, that's the word I'm looking for. Dispatcher. So he works for Typhoon. Then we have Ducky, a.k.a. Hold on, let me, let me find his full name because it's a bit of a mouthful. Reginald McAllister Third. He is just, uh, he's like a ta- the town taxidermist. Well, Ducky was, the, in my notes, is Ducky's the mayor. Yeah, well, I thought he was, and then I. it's not until right now when I'm re- reading. He's just like a town let me, fella. Let me delete that out of these notes you yeah. gave me. Sorry. Yeah, I don't have notes for this pod for this podcast because we we played this game before we had talked about um, the new format. So, yeah, Blake gave me some notes that are uh, apparently wrong. One is wrong. I thought he was the town mayor, and then, <laughs> but anyway, is there a mayor? Is there a mayor? You know, not not one that you meet. I don't think. Huh. But he he like I said, he's just a, a taxidermist. He's all over the place. And then Mac, besides the dispatcher, is a, the safety manager as well. And then you get Diane. Diane Jacobs, rather, and she is the operations director of Typhoon. And then our last character is uh, Officer Pike, Officer Jason Pike. Mm-hmm. He's just a cop. Uh, it's being called officer, so I'm guessing he's just a—he's not even a deputy at that point. I don't think sheriff's deputy, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Just, he's the only cop. <clears throat> he's the only cop you see. Yeah. So now that was a huge shotgun blast of people. That's, that's kind of how you're introduced to it. Like, yeah. It's like uh, Gabe was walking, Gabe walks uh, uh, Alex down like the main street and as you run, he runs into people and like introduces her, which is, it's it's a lot like we just did, not like, no, we, we did we did it terribly, but that's how you introduce all the people kind of like, here's here's the cast and then you, and then the game sort of breaking down into, into the storylines and you get, you spend time, uh, more or less time with each of the individual people. They all have their own kind of part to play in the events that happen. Yeah. 
And there's also like miscellaneous NPCs. Like this ain't the whole. This ain't the whole town. Yeah. There's there's miscellaneous folks, that and, and you can around. tell because they're like, oh, they're you not, they're not as detailed models and stuff. Like you're definitely a cookie cutter, and they just <laughs> put you a different hairstyle on you, gave you a green jacket instead of a red jacket. Yeah, and I mean those people do talk. They have like background dialogue. Yeah, it's all voiced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like little miscellaneous miscellaneous stuff. How the game looks is gorgeous. Uh, it's a, it's realism. They're shooting for well, still it's still the Life is Strange style. Mm-hmm. But this is by far the best looking uh, Life is Strange game, uh, especially the, I think a lot maybe it has to do with the uh, with the faces and maybe maybe some maybe some motion capture. This mm-hmm. is, I mean it all looks a lot less cartoony than a lot of the earlier Life is Strange stuff. And I think when when they did the remasters, I think they made the remasters look kind of in this direction. They yeah, smoothed them out. Yeah, uh, the game looks really good. Uh, as much as I mean, and the town looks like a Colorado mountain town. As much as I would, would know what one looks like, the only the closest thing I have to a small Colorado mountain town is South Park. Okay, this looks nothing like South Park. Yeah. <laughs> those, 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 that's my that's my only point of reference. <laughs> yeah, looks- there's mountains and there's snow and some trees. Yeah. It's this or South Park. This is I, this is a prettier version of a small mountain town, but yeah. still quiet mountain town. All right. Do you want to take over anything, Drew? Like, do you kind of? I'm not really. Do you remember where we're, kind of where we're at? When you just introduce, I mean, like you just move from talking to people to talking. I mean, all you do is talk to people. I'm trying to get to like the the main events because really just you're just walking around talking to people and getting to know everybody, which sounds boring when we talk about it. But like it's like getting to know these people is is interesting and it's in its own way because all this all this stuff is. As you talk to a character and you're introduced to him, one of the games starts introducing the game mechanics. is like, you know, hold the trigger to read the person's aura. And you can sort of see, like, inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, I'm happy, I'm sad, or I'm angry, or this. And you're like, oh, like one of them is like, oh, like, Charlotte bumps into you and Gay when and you're introduced. And, like, you just see him light up. Like, he's genuinely in love. And then she lights up, and you, you get... It gives you background information without having to like talk you to death. Talk you to death, but you just you, she literally just sees it and sees the color, this bright, and you can just the warmth that it comes over the character. She knows that these people are genuinely mm-hmm. in love, or that you know. Yeah. And she doesn't she doesn't necessarily hide this ability. Apparently, she's had it for a long time. To the point, I think even Gabe knows about it a little bit. Thinks he thinks he knows about it. Yeah, a little bit. Like he's, I think she's mentioned to him when, when they were younger mm-hmm. that she has these feelings. She would call it, but I don't think she really. And o- I guess over time too, but in the years they've been apart, she's got a, a more in tune with what it means and stuff like that. Cause, and right here, because we, we you, you get the shotgun blast of characters all the way to the the, the last place you end up is the bar where you meet Jed and you're taken upstairs to. Gabe's apartment mm-hmm. and he's like you get you can live here he's like I've already spoke with Jed you can live here but you will have to work at the bar and I will stay at Charlotte's and then we'll this this will be yours and then we'll figure out how to get you know your name on the lease and stuff after I don't have to worry about leases no, not really town. Just work and yeah just fine. work here and pay me and then because you get all the orders and then right here the door someone bangs on the door and it is Mac, mm-hmm. who doesn't like Gabe because Mac's got some severe anger management issues. He thinks yeah. his girlfriend, Riley, is cheating on him with Gabe because her and Gabe have been meeting secretly after she gets off work before she comes home. And he immediately assumes she's cheating. But it's 
it's revealed right there. And it's even reiterated by the girlfriend and by Gabe, the girlfriend Riley, is Gabe has graduated from college. He has like a, a, a it's not like a master's, he has like an associate's or a bachelor's. He, he is a graduate. graduate. Mm-hmm. And he has been tutoring her on things she's been struggling with. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's yeah, literally no nothing, ulterior, no ulterior motives. No ulterior motives at all. Because he's he is thoroughly in love with Charlotte, and he loves being a father to Ethan. And Riley loves Mac for whatever reason in his rage-addled mind. And he just start he bangs on the door, opens the door, and starts swinging at at Gabe. Just starts swinging. There is no like he's just angry and this is where we get another aspect of Alex's power like pretty much the overwhelming nature of powerful emotion it's 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 iterated here because it's the easiest one is blind rage but then it does happen later with like sorrow and stuff like that but because she's so open to emotions the emotions that he's feeling ignite motion the same emotion in her, but about her own things. And so she was angry that this dude took a swing at her brother, but she literally took basically like a, like a mirror. She took everything he had, took it into herself, inflamed her emotions. And then she just went to town on this dude. Uh, is, 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 is right here in the beginning or is where she beats the, she crap, beats out the crap out of him. Well, I know. I remember that. About, it's just like the first time. It's, yeah. Right here. The, in the first beginning. time she meets this dude, <laughs> she, she beats the piss out of him. Yeah. <laughs> And your brother's like, where did that come from? He's like trying to pull you off, and it's the whole thing. And he like runs downstairs and hides. Yeah, because uh, uh, Alex is like normally chill, very chill. You know, especially with you, to the music she listens to, and so she's just a really chill. Yeah, so that's your introduction to what uh, an, an inflamed emotion can do. Yeah. Not like it's really just like flashes of color, of course, true colors, and then how uh, her her emotion. Cause she loses. These are the parts where she loses. She does lose control, and this is hinted at in in the intro about her episodes mm-hmm. and they think because they think she's the one with the problem yeah of course she's always been blamed for it she gets blamed for for a, she got a bunch of stuff when she was a kid mm-hmm. and that's kind of it like you know you there's a bunch of like because every achievement in the game is finding a specific memory picking up an item and finding a memory attached to it and that's that's it None of the achievements are really that difficult as long as you go around, look, and read and everything. Mm-hmm. And some people don't really much care for that aspect. When you go around and read, pick up every, not every item, but it's a lot of items to pick up and read. And it just builds the world. Yeah. You don't have to do that. You just walk, you can just walk through the game, but it does help. A little bit. It doesn't mean, don't I mean, get me wrong. I mean, any, every game that has crap to read, it's supposed to help, but I think it's done better and worse in different games. Yeah. Come on, I'm trying to check something here. Because you could plow through the game and not pick up all that stuff and just play the game and not worry about the achievements. For me, I did it in uh, ten and a half hours. And the gameplay... should have pulled that up before we did anything else. So the, the, my, the gameplay, on according to TA, says between eight and ten. And I did it in ten, ten hours, 24 minutes. Over the course from April 3rd to... Over six days. Yeah, ten out, I did it in ten hours and 12 minutes. Oh, you're, actually, you're actually on point for this yeah. one. And you could you could cut that down if you're not caring about the, if you're just playing for the experience and not caring about the trophy you could definitely cut that down a lot. <sighs> but I think it's time we get to the inciting incident. Yeah, because everything's nice. Everything happy, happy go lucky. And you are like because it's a choice game. You do make 
you are able to control small aspects, but like any choice game, nobody's figured out a choice game to where it matters. It's you. I'm yeah. not sure anybody ever will. Uh, honestly, like it has never seemed. Maybe the closest thing is loosely Witcher Three. That's not really a choice game, but has choices that greatly impact certain events in Witcher yeah. Three. But uh, like Witcher Three completely changes course based on some things you do in Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. Um, but this my minor things here and there, you're, you are making different choices and affecting relationships of how people talk to you. But really, this game is on a specific path, like all these games really are. And you can't so- you can't change the ending. You yeah. can't change the events we're about to talk about. Uh, you're given a choice about one of the, the parts here. When you when you when you talk to Ethan is is about to go do something, mm-hmm. you can tell on him or you can let it fly. It doesn't change what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You're given the choice that as meaningless as it is, but you can. And it affects how what Ethan thinks of you a little bit. But like overall, the story is set on a path, and I think. We gotta get to a point in gaming where like we stop worrying so much about player agency. I know that's the whole point. Like put it in the gameplay, stop putting it in your stories. They managed to pull off a good story, mm-hmm. even giving you little bit little bits of choice. I just don't think players having the choice to craft a story is as important as writing a good story. We've talked about I've I've wore this 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 opinion out on the podcast. We've gotta start writing better stories. we have great stories out there in gaming and some of the better ones are probably ones where you're not given any choice. Like write your story. Yeah. Stop giving us meaningless cho- choices and stuff. And Telltale is, is is the progenitor of this, who I think did more damage than, than good. Your choices matter. They won awards on like Walking Dead, and then nobody talked. I mean, you know, then they loosely were talked about ever since then. But they had a great impact across gaming for a while. I mean, Life is Strange probably wouldn't exist without Telltale Games, even though they had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, all the Life is Strange stuff would because when the first Life is Strange came out, you're like, oh, it's like a weird Telltale game, but it wasn't. But anyway, and then full circle, they're working with Telltale on yeah, another game, so it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. Um, but you are, you know, you're talking to people, having conversations, and and one of the conversations I what we talk about is you are, uh, Ethan is talking about. I forget what, what the conversation. If he's talking about, he's going to go go somewhere he's not really supposed to go. Mm-hmm. It's like is it like this abandoned mill? Not a, it's, well, like, it's a, like a mill. It's like closed down right now or yeah. something. It's like a mill, isn't it? It's like a, a mine. I'm, oh, it's the mines. It's a mine shaft. And he yeah. goes there to play or something all the time. But he usually, but he usually goes with, with somebody else. It's just like is 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 his you know all all kids all young kids have because he's I don't know he's not he's young but he's like thirteen ten somewhere in there and you know not a teenager no but he goes to this little hideout it's it's a little clubhouse for him you know that he has decked up for himself he has like some chairs and some like weird mannequins it's just a, it's it's his place where he goes to be by himself kids all a lot of kids have this stuff at least back in our day nowadays most kids don't get off youtube long enough to have a personality but that's neither here nor there sorry yeah you continue yeah yeah so you kind of are hinted at not only uh at the at the point you, you don't know nothing nothing's going to come up but he has a little conversation and you're given the choice to like you know say something to keep it a secret or you can tell. say something to, i think you can you, i don't know if you can tell gabe and charlotte i don't know because i don't know if you i don't think you've met charlotte yet brief very brief very she brief she, she, she was doing something yeah you, you get you get, you get more time with charlotte later but uh i forgive you I, th- I, think, I think you could tell gabe or something like that i don't remember what i i don't think i, I think i did the thing where i was like oh, he's just a kid he'll, he'll, he'll be fine i kept his i kept a secret i'm pretty sure yeah so he uh so anyway it it kind of moves forward uh to later and Nobody think I forget who comes up to you. I, I know I hate this part because I don't because it's been a while since I played. I don't have my notes, but uh, they're looking for Gabe. They're looking for Ethan, like Charlotte, I guess, and Gabe. Yeah, because I think it's like dinner time or something, and Charlotte 
comes running up to you. She's like, have you seen Ethan? He's not at home and he's supposed to be and it's getting late. And then that's when everyone's like, he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then you're kind of like, well, um, well, then even here, your character is forced to be like, well, I, I saw him early and he said he was going to go hang, hang out at, at a place. And like, why don't you say anything? It's like, I don't know. She's like, I'm just now here. I thought, yeah. you know, kind of, re- kind of reacts to how you handled it earlier. Yeah. Did I tell Gabe? Because I feel like I, had a, I feel like Gabe was like, hey, thanks for telling me or something like that. Maybe I did tell Gabe or something. I might have. I, I don't remember. So you and Gabe and I don't know. And, and Ryan. And Ryan uh, run off into the uh, forest to find Ethan. Ethan's hiding spot, which yeah. I think they kind of know where it is based they off. They know where it's at. So you kind of get through the place and he's not He's not there mm-hmm. as you move through all that stuff. There's not a lot of, it's not really big, like like you're not like running through a forest trying to explore a forest or you, anything you, like that. You're kind of, you, you start move to at, the next scene. Yeah. The next scene is starting already. Like you like open the gates at the abandoned mill. Yeah. And you're kind of looking for him. He's not at his little spot that, uh, that your brother, that, uh, Gabe knows about. So then y'all start, I think everybody like splits up and uh, I'm pretty sure you, Alex finds him first mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he's across that log where he like fell and fell off the, like in between this like river and this ravine mm-hmm. and he's falling down and he's scared and you got to do that thing where she's crossing the log, but his emotions are like, yeah, this like, is actually really, really cool done. Because it affects her vision, doesn't it? It affects her world. She's well, because seeing... because he because he, he's a young kid. Like I said, he's not a teenager. He's got to be ten or younger. Because mm-hmm. he he draws comic books. He makes comic books for himself. And he was out making his comic book about his barbarian warrior fighting dragons. Like what's his name? Like Fafnir the dragon or something. The he used a lot of like open source free terms. <laughs> and so as she's crawling across this tree that has fallen to get to the kid because I'm not entirely sure how he ends up over there anyway because a tree's fallen and he says he went across the tree to get to a better spot but then when he got over there he got scared yeah and so as you're crawling over it you have these waves of negative and fear and negative and negativity and fear and they're hitting you it's really cool it's kind of like well for lack of a better term it feels like it's like a moral movie like she's crawling across and she's being blasted with this energy and it's it's literally like it's forcibly affecting it's like making her like shiver it's like a shock wave and then the more it hits you the world around you starts to warp and change to what the kid sees and so she looks down and there's the roar of a of a river but what he sees is the like the moon reflecting off some rocks that look like eyes and a roar and he thinks this is a monster down there it's like a dragon the fafnir mm-hmm. in his story and so you see it shift into that and as and you become more and more scared and you work your way across the the log and everything and it's just it's done really well because then because of course you can't have a a moment like this dramatic without it starting to rain and then there's thunder and then there's lightning and so all that blends together in this child's imagination with a, which affects Alex with her powers and it all looks beautiful but it's prefaced that where he's at is, is like I said, it's an abandoned mine shaft that the company Typhoon has deemed like empty, so they're going to blast it and fill it in. They're going to blast the whole area and just bury it and just, you know, to help stabilize the local area. And Gabe has called in to Typhoon and spoken to Mac, who is the safety Well, you find out later that it was Mac. Yeah, you find out later, but he calls in and speaks to Typhoon and says, hey, we're going to be in the area. Please don't blast the schedule. There is talk of the blast being scheduled yeah. that night, yeah. Earlier before you do it. It's like, please postpone it. We're in the area. Like, he followed every protocol he was supposed to follow. 
and said, you know, Ethan, you know, Charlotte's son is out there in the woods near the mine. We're out here looking for him. Please postpone it temporarily. And then you go through this whole scary thing with Ethan. You get Ethan and you make it like uh, they, they have a rope. Ryan and Gabe have some sort of rope because, again, Ryan's a wildlife ranger. So he's you always need rope. And he, they throw stuff to her. The as they're coming across the as they're coming back across, the, I think the log breaks. Of course, every log breaks. Every log breaks. So the log breaks, and she's bound to Ethan. And they hit up against the cliffside, and they're dangling. And Ryan and Gabe are trying to pull you up, and the um, explosion goes off. Is there a siren beforehand, like a warning siren? And they go a brief wah wah, and then they're freaking out, and they're trying to pull you guys up. And boom, explosion goes off, creates a, a landfill. A landslide, yeah. Yeah, I said landfill. The opposite of <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, an avalanche of mud slides and all that stuff. Rocks. And y'all, you get up, which we, with Ryan and Gabe, you get up Ethan and Alex just in time. And they're like, quick, quick, go, go, go. Just in time for you to turn around and see your brother get mauled by a boulder and thrown off the ravine. And not survive. He is. Yeah. That's the end of that. That's the end of that first chapter. I, think. I don't think his body's ever found. I don't think the body's ever found because it is he's buried in mountain. He's buried in mountain plus the storm. So he, when he fell off to the ravine, he his body was washed washed away. I don't think they ever find the body. And credits. <laughs> that's the big big thing on how that ends. Yes, yeah, part of the, I think that, 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 I think that is the end of the first chapter. That's, yeah, it's literally the end. And you're like, what? Oh my God. So you immediately start playing that second chapter and you mm-hmm. start going through. And the second chapter is, it wasn't as impactful for me. Well, I mean, you're walking around talking to all sad people. It's all sad. And it, 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 I don't want to spend as much time on chapter two as we did just now on one. Because chapter two is really just, it's the aftermath of, of death. It's important. Yeah, it's very important for character. But I don't want to spend five, you know, two hours on every single chapter. But it's the aftermath of grief. Yeah. And this is where other strong emotions, you know, she can experience the people's grief and all this stuff and everyone's sadness of what's going on. And then it's revealed here in the, there's like a, a, a wake mm-hmm. for, for Gabe. And it's revealed here because Alex can read the emotions and this includes like inner thoughts and stuff. One of them being Max. And he is racked with guilt mm-hmm. because I, I kind of spoiled it a second ago, but he took the call from Gabe. He took the call and everyone's like, Oh, you, the whole town turns on him. Oh yeah. The entire town. Like you didn't say anything on purpose. They think he didn't say anything on purpose because of his anger problems. And that he thought that Gabe was sleeping around with his girlfriend, Riley. Mm-hmm. And so the entire town turns on him and he can't defend himself. He, he he can't. He ends up like... Uh, unlike Mac, Gabe is uh, loved and respected in town. Oh, yeah. So he ends up running, just running away. And you spend the whole chapter trying to find him and where he's at. Yeah. Which leads you to, like, one of the choices you can make is you can talk to Riley about it and be like, I think he purposely didn't do anything and kill... You can kind of, like, make yeah, her... I don't, mem- I don't remember ever believing that he did it on purpose. I, I think, think I think so. he was just being negligent. No. Oh, he was. Oh, he. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, that's right. He did. We'll get to that in a in a hundred in, in just a second. That's right. I remember, I remember now. And you go through this entire town, and you're seeing 
Well, you're seeing the effect that Gabe had on everybody. Yeah, the, the effect that Gabe had on everybody. And one of the one of the cooler things is you make it to the flower shop. You speak to Riley. Riley goes, she's like, I'm going to go help you find Mac. Because he's like, he's like, I'm the only one that can talk him down when he's like this. And so you're, you're left with Eleanor, her grandmother, and you get a really sweet and sad scene mm-hmm. with Eleanor because she's affected too, but she's affected differently because as you're walking around and helping helping her spruce up just a little bit since Riley ran out the door. You're helping her spruce up and you take like a customer or two, just like a random little doodad, until Eleanor gets out from the back office to the front. And you're finding out that Eleanor has been diagnosed and is in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And it's affecting how how she sees, it's affecting her emotions, and Alex can see that by her emotions being blank. When she when she's asked about certain things and and she and it's like a really heartfelt thing and Eleanor is even like she's because she's she has a moment where she just spaces out like at, at a register no one's in the store but Alex and she confides in Alex oh no you can't tell Riley because if you tell Riley she won't go to school she won't finish she won't, school she won't leave she'll yeah. she'll leave school to come help me and I don't want that I want her to move on and again she's doing this very righteous self. I don't want to say self-aggrandizing because that sounds mean, but she's doing this like self, she like a self-sacrifice thing, where she's going to suffer in silence, yeah, so that she doesn't take her granddaughter off the path that she has set because she did, she would never forgive herself if she was the reason that Riley never left. Yep. It's a really now, sweet, and, scene. and I think you can based off conversations, you can change whether she whether she actually leaves or not. Yeah. I think this is you, you can or cannot you can you can make the choice to tell her or not tell her about her grandmother. Yeah, it's just story things that don't really overall affect Alex, but you can't affect whether or not uh, Riley stays or in turn affects Mac, I guess. Well, I think uh, this episode ends. Is it this episode? Like one of the events is her going to school. Is that this early? I think so. Not later. Oh, maybe. maybe, maybe. maybe. I, don't, I don't remember. You might remember better than me. No, no, no. That's part of, I think, four. Because she, she goes down to the bus stop. No, I think it's in three because she goes down to the bus stop while everyone's doing the LARP and she's leaving during the... During, if, she, if she's leaving. Yeah. But you finally get to track down Mac and he's like hiding behind the flower shop or something because he, he just wanted to be close to Riley. And he tells you that, yes, he, he took the call, but he didn't... He did everything he was supposed to. He reported it to his superiors and they told him that they were going to stop the explosion. And then he... Then they kind of gives you the overarching thing he's like but he's like I can't tell you anymore because they're watching me mm-hmm. and you're like what he's like they're watching me and you think he's just crazy and he doesn't have yeah the game's built up Mac to be somebody to not trust and not like this crazy rage filled person and it's he he tells you they 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 and then by the end of the conversation you realize um because you, you start looking that Typhoon has the town under surveillance Weirdly enough, bum bum bum, which is a company that most of the people in town work for. What is it? Typhoon Mining Operation, and that's kind of it for two. Like the sadness of everything, and it the big plot twist that Mac took the call. Yes, but he's like, I was like, I would never murder. He's like, I wanted to fight him. I didn't want to murder him. I would never do that. He's like, I'm. He's like, you you guys all think I'm a monster because I'm. I messed up, but he's like, I'm not evil. And you're just like, you know, because that's again, what you get when you get to stay with a bunch of characters for a while, you get to see depth and intricacy of feeling and all this stuff that he's saying, Alex knows is 
true, or at least it's as true as he knows how to make it because she can see she can't, you can't lie to her. Yeah. With the emotions, you can't hide these things because she can see the tinges of the colors and he's genuinely upset about what happened with Gabe, yeah. even though he hates Gabe because he still thinks in the back of his head that Gabe and Riley were sleeping around, but he didn't want to kill him because he's a messed up, you know, messed up mentally. Yeah. But she knows that everything he's saying is true. And then the overwhelming fear when he says they are watching me. And so she, she takes him and she believes him. And then that helps actually allows you to do some cool stuff is if, because the whole town hates him at the start of the chapter. If Alex, her perception of him affects the whole town. Cause if she can like hug him in public view of other people, other people, are, Oh, what what's going on? Like they can see that she's forgiven him. So not necessarily forgiven him, but she, you know, she's not blaming him for what happened. And it, and it impacts, you know, the whole, you know, how people see. And so that's because you can shun him. You can give him the finger and say, screw you. Or in this moment of all this truth, you can accept that what he is saying is truth. Yeah. And it is, that's kind of like it for the, the second chapter, really. Yeah, there's a funeral, all that stuff in there. The wake. What, is that what the lanterns is? They, they, they do a lantern, the, the, a lantern? Yeah, at the very end, they do a... Um, lanterns that are... They put the, the lanterns and they release them into the sky. Is Yeah, they do the little lantern thing because they can't find there's no body. So they, they, this is the best way they can do is to honor him. It's like all the people that were close to him, which is like Steph, Ryan, Ethan, Charlotte, you. Basically everyone who has a name. <laughs> yeah, all the named characters. They do the thing where they make those like those paper lanterns and they, they let them go, which seems dangerous. The forest? Yeah, but... You know that that'd be like the the end all be all. We're we're having a f- funeral for a body we couldn't find, and we sent these lanterns, and we started a forest fire or something. But that doesn't happen. That'd be too ironic. Yeah. But then it ends with like you know the the sending off of these lanterns, and then it's hinted at through all uh, all the way from episode one or chapter one rather. It's hinted at that there's a a LARP coming up, a town LARP, and there's little. Um, you know, posters and stuff at the record store, at the coffee shop, at the bar for the, you know, for the LARP. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what a LARP is, is it a it's a live action role play, and that's become they're becoming they've always been around, but they're, they're becoming increasingly more increasingly more more mainstream and popular, mm-hmm. where people go to these, you know, fields or these basically, for lack of a better term, like these paintball fields or these airsoft fields, but it's dedicated to. Uh, usually, usually not always, but usually a fantasy setting, and you're given your like a, a character sheet, or you make one, and you just you you live action role play like a D and D thing. You have spells and money, and your weapons are made of like foam or cardboard or you know stuff like that. It's it's fun. I've seen people do them, and they have. I've never been a part of one, but they look pretty cool. But I'm also, I think I would get bored. I'd do it like once and be like, oh, I'm fat and lazy. I want to stay home and do it on, my, on a computer screen. But they look really cool, and I think it's cool that people do do this. Yeah, so the whole the whole town has got involved in this. I forget. Because Gabe was really excited about it, mm-hmm. and they want to help try to bring, more than anything, Ethan. They're, they, they're, kind of like, they're doing it for Ethan because they want Ethan. I, you talk, I remember if you talked to Ethan because Ethan does... 
he does and doesn't want it to happen because it reminds him of Gabe. Yeah, and he's aware of how, how that, that Gabe dying has to do with him being somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. Have we had a conversation with Charlotte yet? No, no, that doesn't happen until I think that happens after the LARP. after this one, or this might yeah, it's after this one because you you literally Charlotte's in the LARP. Yeah, because this entire thing is a whimsy, and it's to to help heal the town. And the, the serious stuff with the, the I think the Riley leaving and, and the moment that we really want to talk about is in four because because they have to have this whimsy moment is like a whew, breath of fresh air because it kind of there is stuff that happens in the town because you uh, again like you're you're flirting back and forth with Ryan or Stephanie I chose to ultimately pursue Stephanie as my love interest over Ryan I think I did, I think I did too not for any particular. They just seem like they had more chemistry, more chemistry than Ryan. Ryan's an okay guy, but it's just and nothing wrong with him. He was a perfectly adequate dude. He just didn't seem like character-wise. He seemed more interested in Alex than Alex seemed in, in him. Yeah, yeah. But as you're going through this really cool LARP, there is like like we just said, there is hints of the real world because like you walk into the record store, but it's not a record store anymore. It's a, it's a witchcraft apothecary and she's dressed as a, as like a black witch and you can flirt with her. And she's like, well, I can't do anything today. Cause I'm, I'm having a, a witch's meeting later, but perhaps we can have dinner another night. I was, you know, so there's cute little, but what's happening in this whole LARP thing is you, Alex, you, Alex Chin are a bard. You, and you, and Ethan is a barbarian. And you're going around town, going through these little quests that they have set up. You have to find yeah. these. We don't want to talk down. Like the whole town's involved. The like, whole town. Like they've put their signs, and there's different things happening. They've planned out this whole, this whole little mini campaign for is, Ethan. For Ethan is planned out across the whole town, and I'm pretty sure almost everybody's involved. And the people who aren't involved, like you, the, the, the random NPCs. They're sitting there, and they, they are cheering on Ethan. They're like, go go get Ragnar, Ethan. Or I think Ethan's character is Ragnar. They're like, go Ragnar. Go get the crystals. Like, they're like they're not participating, but they're cheering. So they, it's really cool. Because you have a couple of things. You have, like, the town park, and then there's the bar. It's all the places you've been to before, mm-hmm. you know. But the, now they're slightly decorated. Yeah, pretty cool. It's really cool. No, I don't think no real actual town would do this. No. But the it's, sheer amount of work it would have taken to pull this off in any any town, even a small town like that, would just yeah, be an astronomical amount of work. But it fills me with joy to think that it somewhere in the world, may, somewhere in the multiverse, maybe someone some someone could do something like that. I think it was really cool. Yeah, because because we talked about this is this is potential. The whole game, this whole part is like silly, and but it breaks it down into a turn-based RPG mm-hmm. where your characters are they level up. That you you get into turn-based fights with a werewolf and a wizard, and the cool thing is it starts out real. Like you you have this stupid little toboggan on with a feather, and you're wearing this fake wooden guitar. But as you're going into it, and Ethan is becoming happier and it starts to do the same thing as the fear, but with happiness and joy. And it change, it literally changes his, his perspective changes through the entire town where he is in a mystical fairy world. And the people who are in really bad makeup are 
by by the end of the the, the episode are fully transformed to a fully realized version of what the character well, who's, would. Who's doing? I remember the wolf specifically. Ryan. Ryan. Ryan is just a, he's he's one. He's got a a flannel shirt on and with some tattered jeans and he's got a wolf mask on and he's like howling. But then like he turns into an actual wolf. Yeah. And then I think uh, Charlotte is being some sort of forest nymph and she turns into like an actual, like a tree nymph and it's really, really beautifully done. And then like a lot of story happens to for like emotional story really for like Ethan and some of the people in town more than, more than anything it's Ethan. He's, he's, healing and he's become he's he's allowing he's getting to be a child and like the turn-based combat and as you're going around there's like little riddles and stuff you can find and um it's like ooh, one of the things was there's a a, a troll a, a troll and then there's the river monster but if you don't because you can fight the river monster and die you can talk your way out of it that's the troll but then if you had done one of the side quests for i think the snakes yeah, yeah it's 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 vastly intricate for something that's only like an hour long because yeah. if you like turn-based RPGs and the combat's not bad like yeah, Alex cool. is a bard and so she'll play a little like da -da -da -da, to like power, power to, up Ethan to power up Ethan then he'll do like a big th thunder slide it all looks really cool and it looks cooler as the chapter goes on because it fades more into the fantasy setting uh, but like if one of the things is Ducky he's at the bar and he's a a mischievous imp and if you do his little side quest and answer his questions three, then you're given a, a a special a spell. And then later on, when you fight the the sea serpent, if you have you can you can fight it normally, or you can try and like, oh, let's just avoid combat. What's a sleep spell? You know? don't, yeah, don't, don't, he, don't he just put the he throws serp, the, serp, the, serp. the serpent to sleep, and then you get the tr the the treasure that he's guarding, which gives you another skill. Who's playing the snake? Uh, I think it's just a, a wood cut out, and I think I think a lot of the monsters are Ryan because he's like because he's playing. He's like I, but he's doing this talkings. Mm -hmm. He's like eyes wills gets use, and then Ethan's like throw the sleep spell, Alex, throw the sleep spell. And you have to like literally, like when you click on the item, like like an RPG, like turn based when you click on item and you go down, you see her literally open up her little fanny pack, reach in and pull out the spell and. Throw the sleeping spell at the dragon, and he's like, "Oh, snows, I'm sleepies," and then he kind of falls asleep, and then you go pick up. It's probably it was my favorite part. I'll be honest; it's just really cool, and I would love to see them be able to do something like this seriously. Because as, as, as the part we're talking about earlier, like this is just them showing something that I think something they want to do outside of Life is Strange, but this is showing showing that they can do something like this. And heck, if they wanted to take that same idea mm -hmm. as a LARP and be like. You know, like a LARP video game. Yeah, like yeah. You, you get your and you can make an RPG like that. Like get your character, your main character, who I'm custom character, and you're like, all right, I got to build a guild for this LARP, and I got to recruit people, and you can make a whole cool little adventure and become the best guild, you know, best questing guild at the at the LARP or whatever, and become king, and it could be a really cool idea. Yeah, and I, I would play the heck out of it because I loved the, the hands down my favorite part of the game. Because it was just, it was really cool. Yeah. I can't brag about it enough, but I also don't want, I know we said it's full spoilers and stuff when we're talking about story, but this was really cool. And then it leads to like a big boss fight against like some lich king or something. And it actually looks like by the end of it, there's a big old, we didn't talk about these earlier, but Alex, like she, she has the two things we've talked about, the reading emotions and then becoming uh, enveloped in the strong emotions. We've talked about them briefly, but this is probably 
uh, she calls, actually, I'm not sure if she calls them that, but the game calls them Novas. And it's just this explosion of... Yeah, I don't remember ever hearing that term. But that, that's, what, that, that's what they call it, like, on the Wikipedia. And when you, like, look into it, they're called Novas. Okay. It's just literally an explosion of emotion. And the explosion of emotion happens with Ethan here. And this is what starts to change and then fully changes the entire town and world to make it look like the fantasy setting. Because when you finally get to the final fight the this lich king or whatever to find this last piece of this magic sword that he needs is he's decked out in like a little barbarian outfit kind of looks like Ico. he's got the horns and he's got the sword and alex has changed from her street clothes with the little what do you call that um beret with a feather in it to where she's wearing like a full troubadour outfit she's got a cape and she's got like a a, a ukulele like it changes and you're fighting like this creepy skeleton lich king and like it's just awesome and then it all culminates in this beautiful moment where you, you know, the kid's growing and he, the kid's learning to forget. It's a child who shouldn't have to deal with something this massive and this adult. Mm-hmm. And he's learning to cope with what he, he what he's done. But, you know, and what he believes, what his perception of the town believes that he has done. And it's, it's awesome. I really, really enjoyed this part quite a bit because of how the, the, the whimsy and lackadaisical nature to hide all the serious truths and everything. I, I, I could keep going on about it, but I think I'm going to start talking in a circle. So I'm, I'm okay to, to move on from there if you are, Drew. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you, you said, you, you kind of pretty much said it all. Did, I was did, just surprised at how good it was. Like something that any, and lots of other games would have had this idea, but kind of kept it kind of weak and loose. Mm-hmm. They were just like, nah, we're going to give this a hundred percent. We're going to give this a hundred percent. Like they went in. This you part's had, really cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally, literally like they, they went all it's in. almost like they had this ready to go. Yeah. And built the rest of the game kind of around. Now, this isn't as important. This How good this is isn't necessarily as important to the rest of the game. But it's crazy how good this part This part could have been done so lazily. Oh, yeah. It could have been. It's just like it's just done so well. And it's and based off of that, I would, I would, like I said, I would want to see them do a turn-based RPG. Yeah. I want to see them do something. And you can... And people are like, oh, I don't know if you need a realistic uh, turn-based RPG. Uh, have you not seen how amazingly successful Like a Dragon was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Or even something like Realism. People still talk about how amazing uh, Lost it's Odyssey like, is. Like, like a Dragon's almost... I mean, we haven't played it yet. But like a Dragon's almost a LARPing game. <laughs> I think it might be because how the main character Ichiban perceives the world. And then realism, like people still rave about Lost Odyssey and how beautiful and realistic it looked and everything. Yeah. But so like there's a only problem is studios don't want to spend the amount of money on something like that because it wouldn't it's not going to make. Well, I don't know if they put more money into them, they might make more money, but they're they're not. It's not going to be Call of Duty. So they're like, we're not going to bother putting that much money into it. But they also don't put that much time and money in the Call of Duties anyway. Millions of dollars into those. I mean, a billion dollars. I mean, they just pretty much Activision's most of Activision's worth is because of Call of Duty. Yeah, but they don't put a lot of like time into it. If you put out one a year, they said, they said the new one was about a, like a two-year development cycle, and they're pretty much everybody hates it. Yeah, but what's his face? Uh, I think Christopher Judge got some trouble for that at the Video Game Awards. He came out and did a speech, and he was like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mean for my speech to go on longer than this year's Call of Duty campaign," <laughs> and he got a lot of trouble. I don't think he, he, got some, got some heat he, for it. he got some heat for it, but only from like Activision. <laughs> Everyone else was like, yeah, because yeah, you guys suck. And they just don't want people to 
to be reminded sure that they suck. Guys that work in those those Call of Duty companies or all three of them mm. are just they gotta be so sick of it. They have to be, you'd think. But for them, it's also to the point it's so by rote that it's just it's literally come in nine to five, go home. Come in nine to five, go home. It's you know, yeah, that's been an award-winning Call of Duty in since, so long since Infinity War did with the modern modern War warfare. One, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So great part, great awesome breath of fresh air, yeah, essentially just, just some levity, some levity. Because if because otherwise it'd be way too serious. Because after this, the next two things are incredibly serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think the game. So we're moving on to the next part. Mm-hmm. I don't know when exactly it happened, but it's a conversation you end up having that conversation with Charlotte. It's in Flickr. The game it's, doesn't. It's it's during a Nova with yeah, Charlotte. With Charlotte, the game doesn't linger on this moment. Mm-mm. I don't know if that's on purpose or if they themselves don't deem it. It's it's pivotal, I feel like. But they don't linger on it. Like, you don't spend, like, a whole episode, like, with Charlotte trying to figure this out. No, it, it is a whole, like, part of the... Yeah. Uh, it's like the... Op- I think it's the the second half, because the first half is you. also blindsided by it. You don't know this part's coming. Like, it, like when you get to... Because Charlotte has... You know she's upset and blah, blah, blah. And she's and been short with you and short with a lot of people short around everybody. town. She's just doing her own thing. And everybody's, you know, she's upset. She just lost, you know, her... You know, her the love of her life. Of her they, life. they weren't married or anything, but she they planned on it. Yeah, so, um, you know, I mean, most of your conversations with Charlotte in the game have been relatively short. You haven't spent that much time with her. Because I think she was between working and she was prepping for the LARP and stuff like that. And, and she can't stand to... Because she's hurting from Gabe. And whenever she looks at you... She sees Gabe, yeah. and so she doesn't want to look at you, which you so, get, but it's also hurtful for, you know. So I guess you come up on this, and I wasn't, I mean, I think anybody who gets this part is not ready for the things she's about to say. Yeah. Because uh, uh, part of the... Because um, she, gets, she gets honest about something that I think more people in the world have had this emotion before, but would never... Cop, cop, cop to it. Would never say because it it's not. It's not publicly. It's taboo. It's very taboo to have this feeling that she's about to reveal because she is an artist. There's a lot of like paintings and sculptures and stuff inside the dispensary, okay, and she's working on art when you go in there. She's working on a. It's a big art piece, and it's a. It's an art piece that's supposed to be representative of Gabe. So there's it's basically it's kind of like a it's this giant chunk of like marble or something granite, and as you're going around it's in this nova of hers, this nova of emotion, she's in it. Well, I think you chose to to act, to go into because she's like spiraling. But I think is, it, is this where like where she's not it's not sadness it's anger. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, rage. Because and you're, you're thinking, expecting you wanted to the thing expecting sadness, but once you get in there, it is. It is rage. It is rage at the company. It is rage at you. It is rage at Gabe for always trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just rage. And you're like, whoa, I'm not, I was not expecting. And it's like unadulterated rage. Mm-hmm. And so as you're kind of going through and nitpicking through, it's like best mini games and nitpicking through these stories and listening to the emotions. And you're like, okay, so she's mad at you because none of this stuff happened until you showed up. And then as you're doing this it's, stuff, it's all like it's like because well, she's kind of misdirected rage at, at the world yeah. until you find would, the focus. 
because it is really art, it's beautifully artistically done because it's like a giant slab and she's hammering yeah. and as she's hammering each layer it breaks off another piece of what's supposed to be a memorial piece to Gabe and at first she is angry at you because none of this happened to you, you showed up you're the the yeah. odd thing out and then she bl- but, but, but that's kind of and then that, that she swings the hammer and that shatters and then typhoon comes on it's like a, a image of typhoon and it's like oh it's typhoon's fault because if they hadn't been doing this and stuff anyway then none of this would have happened mm-hmm. but it's because it's, it's like typhoon mac and diane so that, that's all the people that work for typhoon and then she hammers it again and then that shatters away and then it's gabe and she's mad at gabe for being too good being a good person he's like if, it, if you weren't out trying to do things you wouldn't be dead and have left me alone and you're like, oh, she's angry at him for leaving her alone. And then it swells up and does one final slam. And like, and it's the biggest rage moment. She's filled with disgust and hatred and vile. And the last slam of the hammer with the chisel shatters away Gabe's image. And it settles on, like the dust kind of settles. And it's a picture of, of his sculpture of her son, Ethan. And you're just like, oh no. Center of, her, center of all her rage. Yeah, she... And then, it's, she it, like in inside this realm of this echo, she admits that she hates her son. No, she now hates her she son. She can't stand and look at him. Can't. She doesn't want to talk to him. And 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 there's and, and she knows that she shouldn't. But Gabe's death is a hundred and ten percent his fault. There's no one else to blame but him. And she knows that as a mother, she shouldn't feel that towards her, her her child and you're just like mind blown like she admits that she yeah. hates her son she says it she's Lucy she's like I hate Ethan I hate looking at him I hate seeing him I hate smelling him I hate yeah. you know she's it's just like and you're just like oh my and you're just taken aback by this emotion and you have a chance to part of her because of Alex's it's ability one of, those, one of those key choices they call it but it doesn't it doesn't come of anything yeah you can, what sucks about this is this is so powerful and doesn't, because of the nature of this type of game, I waited the whole to the end of the game for anything to come of that. Like nothing, I want to talk more about this moment, but nothing comes of this moment. Unfortunately. Nothing really is resolved. Nothing really comes of this moment. What I will say about this moment is that how directly this game and the writing addresses this. Yes. Nobody else. Children have been the cause of millions of deaths across the world. A kid has been the cause of their parents' death countless times. Yeah, playing with fire. So many many parents have lost their loved ones and other stuff because of a child. It happens. It does happen all the time. But nowhere, nowhere do you hear anybody talk about blaming the kid. They didn't know any better. This is the first time. Now, granted, I haven't seen everything of media in the world. I haven't played every video game. This is the first time I've ever seen somebody directly... Because any other video game would glaze up, would not have this moment. No. It would glaze over this. And everybody in the back of their mind is thinking, everybody always thinks this is Ethan's fault. But we can't, we cannot say it's Ethan's fault because he's a kid. He's we can't child, say it. He didn't know he any said better. it's taboo. Yeah. We cannot say, we are, we, we cannot say it's Ethan's fault. Nobody can ever say it's Ethan's fault because of society. Mm-hmm. But this moment and this writing and this character it's one of the first times that she says it out loud. This is his fault, and I hate him for this. Yeah. This is absolutely his like, fault, and I hate him for this. Like, I was 
shocked. Just I was floored by it. Jaw dropped. It was like I, I think it was Lazy gave me that to pause. I don't think you've been there yet. I, I think I walked into your, in, your, in your room and I was like, I just experienced one of the biggest, one of the mo- b- biggest effing moments in in gaming to me and in writing in general that nobody will do this and nobody talks about this because granted. Now that this game is out, and I bet nobody, now, you know, because I haven't heard of your podcast, I haven't watched all the videos, nobody talks about this because, again, it might be taboo. It's taboo to talk about this moment. Yeah. In 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 this in this in this scene, and it's the best thing that I've seen in writing in a game, and uh, depends on you know, there's different variations because there's an incredible. We talked about a couple episodes back. There's an incredible, epic punchline in God of War Ragnarok. Oh yeah. There's a there's a there's a well timed built up upon punchline that's way optional. different. You can miss it. You can miss that completely. Um, nothing like this. Mm-hmm. That's not not relatable. But this is one of one of the big moments in me for writing in a game, and it won't get talked about. And because yeah. people are too won't they can't they won't nobody's gonna nobody will blame the kid. And this woman, this writer, blames the kid. Yeah, and she's and <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's amazing. Yeah. And then, like your choice, which you can push her to continue, or you can kind of you can wind her, try to wind her down. Well, because you find that part of her, uh, you've done it once or twice, I think, earlier in the game. You've taken, you can take the emotion away, pain, yeah, and you can, and it it, it does affect and hurt Alex, but she can take it into herself. So what I was wondering here, and the game doesn't address this power very well. You do this one or two other times, I feel like. You have options, yeah. And it's supposed to be, I feel like it's a power that alters a person's personality. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't address it that way. That's what it takes away from this. You can pull her anger away you, from her. You can take it into, Alex can take it into herself. And the way the game presents it as a, because you had stuff like that in like Life is Strange 1 where the character Max mm-hmm. could push herself a little. That's how she started jumping through time. Yeah. First she can rewind, and then she tried to push herself. So this extra thing that that she does is a is a pushing of her of her abilities to actually physically, mystically. I don't know how you say it. Pull an emotion from somebody. Mm-hmm. I the way the game presents it is I it was pulling like pulling all anger period from this woman and like changing her personality because she does it again somewhere else. I feel yeah. like. She pulls fear from somebody else, something like that. Who she pulled fear? From? She pulls fear from Mac, doesn't she? I think so. I think you have a, cho- a choice to pull. Well, that, fear I think from that's Mac. that early one where you, you pull the fear from him, and then he tells you that they're watching. Yeah, that's but the, I see it as a well, no. Grant, that's just me. I see it as a a, a personality changing ability, like, yeah. a, like a a power that's too powerful. That, but it, the, the game doesn't address it in that kind of way. And you can. I don't remember if I did or not. No, no, no. The fear. Uh, I think you do it, Mac. But you do you do it to Pike when you give him a choice. Because this whole point of this this whole thing is because you're you're taking you're really just flexing this power. You take fear from from Mac. You do something really happy with Ryan on the at the cliff where Gabe died, and you do this with Charlotte. You do a lot of yeah of echoing with Nova's Nova's. I guess what would you call it? But I just did. But again, I don't remember. I can't remember what I freaking did. I think I even watched an alternative. I think I went on YouTube and watched the results of this and I can't remember it's been a while now since we played but I watched the because this seems like it's like a game like when you're you're given the choice to leave her or take the anger and you sit there on that screen after this scene I'm just like I don't know which to I don't know which one of these is the thing to do like, I think I ended I, up taking her anger 
Yeah. I might have. I might have. I don't remember. God, I wish I remember. I need to should have played the game again or something or watched the thing. But uh, I, but I, I, the results are is that it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't. She just kind of acts normal the rest of the game, regardless of what you do. Like this, this scene is pivotal. It is to us and to the game. You would think it has. It doesn't matter the rest of the game. which sucks so bad. Like I wanted to see what how she deals with this. Or and it doesn't like. The, Another, I mean, it's also it, it complicates things because in that situation, if Alex were to take her anger and hatred, literal hatred for her son, into Alex were to take it into herself, then Alex being emotionally strong enough and aware enough to know that those aren't her emotions and she can disperse them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think there should have been a scene with you took the anger, like if you to like. Like I don't know, shoulder check Ethan or something, just to like. Yeah, no telling. But I guess they don't want you being mean to the kid, especially having the last chapter where it was all about whimsy and healing him. Mm-hmm. But like, ultimately, the illusions of choice, and also it's like a mental battle, mm-hmm. you know. Like it doesn't really, it affects her obviously, but I, I'm pretty sure I chose to take her anger away, because yes, it's fully deserved, but that's not healthy for her it's not healthy for him and you can't you, there, wasn't, there wasn't like a third option you're like well just put the kid up for adoption send him with his grandparent you know what I mean there's like there wasn't that third option between the two choices you had well this is the thing and like in the uh, again people don't talk about it where like there is a plot line here where she's terrible to Ethan the rest of his life yeah awful. and it happens in real life oh, yeah. all the time I'm sure like or it's, it, <laughs> it's just like, it's, and nobody ever talks about like, oh, this is, I mean, this is, it's cliche is, oh, is, is anything, but you have that same situation where the, say it's two siblings. I had this recently in something. It, it's, it's, you know, it's a family and it's two siblings and one of the siblings dies because the kid, the one of them wasn't watching him or, okay. Spoiler what, alert. What I didn't recently watch where there's two brothers and one drowns. Two brothers. It's your fault. You should have been watching your brother. Um, what was that in? I can't remember. Anyway, keep going. Well, I was gonna say this is a spoiler alert, but the movie's been out long enough, and people talk about it enough. But Hereditary, yeah, yeah, has a very. I can, I'm not gonna spoil Hereditary, but Hereditary has a moment like that, mm-hmm. where a you know best part of the movie, best part in a horrible movie. People, yeah, people get blamed, but you've seen you've seen that exact storyline where parents blame the kid and the kid is treated like like crap and they're like don't they, you know I, I you know i didn't mean to and they're like and and you know and then you know they heal and i think it would be, it's better i chose to take her anger and her hatred because i think it was big better for the family because i you've seen that story enough you want some happiness uh that's the, the most impactful thing in that episode like so the, you, you do a happy moment with with ryan and you get to have him have like a last, like a happy moment because it's, he hasn't been having any happy moments. And then same thing with a few other folk. Keep going. I'm, I'm, that movie thing is bothering me. Of the last thing we watched. Yeah, with two brothers and one mom's really mean to the one because. Oh, Mommy Dearest. The whole point of that movie, Mommy Dearest. That's the whole point of that awful, terrible movie. Is that what it is? Mom, yeah, we, we, we didn't watch the American remake. We watched the original, I guess, uh, Swedish or. Norwegian version of it and he yeah that's the whole point of that movie that's, that's what that is I, okay. I guarantee it's what that is but and then while all this is going on to these emotional impact things you are 
with Ryan and Stephanie and y'all are doing independent research into Typhoon. And at one point, I forget exactly where it happens. I actually think it happened in like episode two, honestly, where uh, Diane's at the bar and you have a choice with Stephanie or Ryan to go flirt with her long enough for Alex to steal a flash drive uh, from her backpack. And then you to find out some of uh, Typhoon's dirt. And then all that comes to, again, here in Chapter 4, where you come up with to Pike. Pike's arrested you and taken you to jail. And he presents you all the evidence that you've been poking your nose here, breaking, in, breaking into this place, going into Typhoon's, like, oh, because you go back to the abandoned mill. Even though the whole thing got blown up, the, the mill is still there. But he arrests you and... Uh, he's like he's like they won't press charges if you give the flash drive back, and then you can tell Pike uh, everything that you learned from the hard drive. You can just blurt everything out. You're like Typhoon's responsible for this. Typhoon's responsible for that. Typhoon's responsible. For and but he is again he is fearful, and you can take away his fear and get and like bolster his courage to make him do the right thing, mm-hmm. or you can let him wallow. And he won't go forward with the evidence and stuff like that. And then, depending on what your choice is there, I think I made his fear, made him, I bolstered his courage and made him take it. And he eventually would pass it on. But th- this is where it gets this final chapter. At the oh, end. that was Moon Knight. Was it Moon Knight? Between Stephen and... Had his mother and a kid and he drowned and his mom beats him. Oh, that was Moon Knight. Oh yeah, Stephen and yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, Moon, was Knight. Moon Knight. There we go. Sorry, I'm going to distract you. Get back Sorry. to it. But it was also part of Mommy Dearest too, because remember the boy was dead the whole time. Yeah, but that wasn't like he would drown in a cave. That was it. That was in yeah. Moon Knight. Okay, but yeah, so that was Moon solved Knight. it. Well, the internet solved it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, internet. But th- th- do you know what part I'm getting to? I know you were thinking, but the part I, I'm getting to now after you've solved all the mystery and Officer Pike lets you go, and you end up with Jed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You're up at the mines. You're up at the mines." And he's gonna—he's trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Jed was in on it. Yeah. And he—you're like, "What?" And you're standing at the top of this like a uh, mine shaft, I guess, for ventilation. It looks like a well, but it's—it's it's completely hollow shaft. And you're like, "What do you mean, Jed?" And he was like, "Stop! Stop! I'm—I'm I'm a town hero. I did this." Stop bringing up all this badness and let it just get buried and go away so we can move on. And he shoots you and you fall down into the, the, the mine shaft. Yeah. And that's the end of that episode or that, that. And then it gets real mind trippy here. Like literally three fourths of this episode is super mind trippy where you have Alex going through like fighting off death and trying to pull herself back from the brink of death. And she's going through all these Basically, it's like the 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 prequel to everything because you finally get all the way back to her mom, her dad, uh, the last time they were together as a family after her mom died. What what happened to her father? Where he worked himself, he stressed himself, and they were fighting all the time, and it forced Gabe to leave the house. And then her father would end up essentially leaving too because he couldn't handle it. He ran away. The father ran away from responsibility and this, that, and the other. And it's revealed because Jed uh, is a town hero because he worked at the mine shaft and he saved like a hundred people. Well, from like. A, it also turns out he didn't do that. Yeah. That's a lie as well. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he's, well, he saved some people. Some He did save some people being truthful. Uh, maybe. I forget the exact thing of it, but it, it does come to light that he did, he's not really a hero. No. He, uh, he he knew about the dangers going in there. Yeah, he knew. He chose to ignore safety protocols because they told him to and they paid him to. Yeah. And people, and people died because he was... A lot of people died. Yeah, the people from, that he... The, one, the few that he saved, quote unquote, wouldn't have been down there at all with the ones that died mm-hmm. if he didn't go to tell them it was okay to go down there in the first place. And this one, this part seemed a little heavy handed. Yeah. Although they needed a bad guy at the end, kind of. Well, not even that. Like, I'm cool with him being a bad guy, but it's revealed that one of the miners that died down there, one of the miners was their father. Unbeknownst to Gabe and unbeknownst to Alex, that their father worked there with Jed in these mines and was effectively killed by Jed when he chose to ignore safety protocols and let them keep digging. Like, oh, the ground's secure, the ground's secure, and it was a cave-in, and they all suffocated in the methane. But when she falls down there, she finds, like, his pendant or something because it's glowing in the darkness from all her emotions. Mm-hmm. That part felt a little heavy-handed. But then... I wonder why... Is it we supposed to... Does that have to do with some reason why... Gabe went, went to live there. That he, was he I, searching for his father? I think so. It's something like that. The last thing he his father he got was like a, a postcard from his father here, but then no one really knew his father when he went there. And he's like, oh, you know, because dad probably kept to himself and did this and did that. But then it turns out that Jed knew, but never told Gabe, never told you, because this it, we, it's because you pull yourself from the brink of death and you 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 get out, you know. And you pull yourself out of this this mine shaft, and you're going through this your mental mind palace about all the times you were you beat up at the foster care. The reason you did some beating up because you were an angry child, and your anger was being fed on other kids uh, in this foster care system's anger and their years of abuse, and like it was just a like the Ouroboros, the t- the snake eating its own tail of you, mm-hmm. and that's why you're always in trouble. And it's a lot of like you know tying off loose ends and stuff, and you finally get to get out. And you come banged up, broken, and still partially bleeding because you like tie your wound. Because like he like shot you, but like hit your armor. It, like, it didn't kill you, but it, it definitely hurt you. It was like Alex, a th- yeah. it was like a through and through for Alex. But it, she comes barging into the um, bar. the bar because they're having like a, a little bit of a meeting to discuss what to do next. And Diane's and it, it, it's Jed, and then the pillars of the community which are Diane, who works for Typhoon, Ducky, and Charlotte. All four of them are like pillars of the community, and they're trying to figure out what needs to be done next. And you kick open that door, well, as you can, and they're like, what's going on, what's going on? And then you you expose Jed for the liar and the fraud that he is. And then, because there's, no, there's somebody else. It's Eleanor. Because it's, 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 it's Diane, Eleanor, Ducky, Charlotte, and Jed. But I think Diane runs away almost immediately because she, she's working with Typhoon and she's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And then it's depending, this is where some of your choices come into play. Like if you were nice to Eleanor and you didn't tell anybody about her oh, disease. This, yeah, this is where, where people take your side in the, mm-hmm. with the, whether or not they're on Jet's side or your side. Yeah. It's like the, the, the big the big meeting. And so it's like, they say, if you're nice to Eleanor and Riley gets to leave and you didn't tell anyone, Eleanor is on your side. And Ducky, if you've spoken to him about his dead wife, you got his order right at the bar, you got his drink right, you've spoken with him, you know, throughout the... Because he, he is important, but he's, like, background important. Because everyone, he's, like, the oldest guy in town, everyone knows him, and he, you know, he's, like, the town Al- Alki. 
and you can get him to join you and you can get Charlotte to join you based off like if you help her resolve her anger and one of the she ended up actually of all the people Charlotte didn't decide with me because a choice I made earlier in the thing thinking it was the right choice hmm. because Typhoon wanted to give her like a large sum of money as a as a, as a financial apology for you know, basically it was, it was cover money, but I was like, well, you know, I was like, maybe this company, cause at that point in time I hated Mac and I thought Mac was being bad and not the company, but because I had, I had given her contradicting information to accept the money, but then turn their back on them. But then when she turned their back on them, they froze the check, the assets and took the money back. And so she became broke again. And so she was really mad at me about that, but I ended up getting the majority. And so we sided against Jed. Oh, I remember how mine went. Yeah, it was, I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> oh, no. But then, like, oh, because then Ryan comes in and Steph comes in and he's like, what's going on, Dad? And Jed looks at you, he's like, don't you say a word. And you're like, screw you, Jed. You just shot me. And you explain to Ryan that Jed is responsible for all of this and that. And it's just a whole, yeah, whole thing. And then, like, if, if you took Pike's fear away, then he looked at the footage. Even though he technically, technically, I think he legally he's not supposed to have because it was never actually submitted into evidence, mm-hmm. and so there's a whole legal gray area thing there. So technically, the evidence would be inadmissible because he it was yeah, stolen. That's all you need for him to take your side. Yeah, and then this whole thing where like Jed gets taken to jail, Typhoon gets, or Diane gets arrested for it, and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, and it's it's it kind of it, it kind of barrel rolls, and then you find out. It does like a weird like thing because you the entire time you've been in the town talking with everyone and but then there's like a weird thing was like and then meanwhile it takes you to like the typhoon headquarters and they'll like they literally just throw all the blame on Diane and and say they didn't know anything about it and mm-hmm. and throw all the blame on Diane yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't remember that but maybe it was yeah. like on Diane Mac and Jed but you can step forward and try to like help Mac or help Jed and you're like screw Jed you shot me screw Diane. But Mac, I, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, you and Mac become kind of friendly, and then it all has like this beautiful, cool scene near the end where, uh, you get to have a, it's one of those like cool things that you've seen it happen where you get to have a conversation with Gabe, like your it's your own consciousness, yeah. reflecting on, on the rooftop. On the rooftop, it's really, really beautiful and pretty. Yeah. And then it, for the bar, yeah. And then that all comes down to uh, uh, like okay, I'm gonna go hang out with my enter love interest whether it was Ryan or Stephanie and yeah. have a happy ever after and you kind of get other people epilogues some people decide to leave or go and stuff like that but uh yeah I thoroughly enjoyed Life yeah. is Strange True Colors we did skim over a lot of the general conversations and the getting to know people because that's just so that's just part of the game and maybe boring to talk about but there's a lot to enjoy there are a lot of conversations a lot of some jokes character development and, yeah. and just there's lots of stuff that you to do when you when you're playing the game regularly not just hitting these the big the bigger plot highlights that we hit there's just a lot to there's a lot to like in the writing and a lot to really enjoy with the characters and just get kind of getting to know this town it's just done just just done really really well maybe even maybe even slightly more interesting for me 
more interesting than Life is because Life is Strange one the ma- the majority of the cast is a bunch of teenagers in a high school. Yeah, uh, this is actually quite a few adult the, adults with other other adults kinds of with adult problems and not just like oh I can't believe Sally doesn't like me oh no should I do drugs for the first time today should I, should I jump off this clock tower yeah oh yeah that was a little yeah but still these are I mean I don't know it's this it's just done very well I say surprising for us because coming off of how much I didn't much care Life for. Life is Strange 2, I was not looking forward to True Colors. This was just buried in our game fly somewhere, I feel like, how we ended up with it. And we never going to play. We're going to play them all, you know, however many they end up making. We'll just keep playing them. But especially, I'll be looking forward to what comes anything next. Deck 9 has, has their hands on. Uh, do you have anything else you want to mention before we go to the little our silly little ratings on the end? I don't think so. Like I said, we, we spoke about probably my, my favorite deck, the two favorite parts, and the ending was a little slightly heavy-handed with the the whole father thing being there but it sort of makes sense because especially if you've picked up and read all these and listened to all these memories and stuff and the postcards and it may but it still feels i was like what are the chances that you know all this but you know it's neither here nor there you got a suspension of disbelief and i think i do think that there is a postcard that you find from your father to gabe it's it's something gabe received as he was leaving, he didn't just randomly go to a mountain town where his dad just happened to have worked. Yeah, exactly. I he think had, he had a reason to go there. Yeah, because because unlike it's one of those things, um, like it's revealed, like Alex never forgave her father because she was young enough to not understand that he was doing the best he could, and then he just couldn't take it anymore and left, and she just saw it as abandonment. While he has a couple of years on her and could understand later in life having. You know, and, and getting the I think the getting the single postcard from his father explaining himself helped Gabe forgive his dad too, which is why he came there. But anyway, so our silly little not really important any ratings, but that we like them and they're fun. I give this I'm following suit. Most people gave this like a seven or eight, you know, out of, out of ten. I'm giving it seven turn based LARPs out of ten. Yeah, and I feel. Pretty much similarly, I, I think kind of really highly of the overall experience, but I think those those the pivotal, that pivotal moment and that that conversation with uh, Charlotte gives this game a bit of a boost for bravery and the willingness to ha- actually ha- have a conversation like that in a video game of all things. So I'm going to give this eight rage induced smashed statues. <laughs> <laughs> rage induced smashed statues. Yeah. Yes. Now, I, f- I feel bad because I didn't say any of this stuff that I wanted to say. Oh, God, I got to find out. I, I took pictures of it so I wouldn't forget to say them, and then I literally just didn't say anything about them. Yep. Because it's for, I have a quote here from the, the actress, Erica Mori, who did voice and did mocap for Alex Chen. So she did it. Yeah. yeah. And this is a, this is just a kind of a quote about the diversity in art and why it's so important. The quote is, this is, I'm going to do it verbatim, that duality of the human condition and the supernatural is part of the life of Life is Strange secret sauce. It's br- brilliant that Alex's power is basically a trait that most of us possess, empathy, but it's on steroids in her case, because I think this allows the power itself to become much more relatable two people in a way that the previous powers have not been. Yeah. yeah. Time travel and time travel and telekinesis flight, like the spirit kid. Yeah. 
and then there goes on that there is um, a bunch of music in the game. When we talked about, there's a lot of like original, there's some original tracks and stuff. And two of the songs in particular that I you should be able to find them because I'm pretty sure that there is a an an album to it. But the song is called Nova Amor. No, no, no. Nova Amor composed the song Haven, which is the theme theme song for the town and used in most of the game's trailers. two original songs called In the Darkness and Every Wave and they were actually written by the developers of the game hmm. and Alex does a lot of singing like I said she's a bard and that's actually by a popular artist called MXM Tune and she's like an online artist and so she did her actual Alex's singing vocals and then there's a bunch of like cover songs like Radiohead does some stuff in there and the Violent yeah, Femmes it's a lot of uh, indie hipster stuff that yeah. me and Blake don't really listen to, honestly. I mean, people like it, but... Uh, but I hope that uh, you should be able to at least find the song Haven and the Darkness in Every Wave. Those are specifically... You'll find places to put them. You should be able to, yeah. But uh, I think that about wraps it up, up for me. Yep. And uh, did you, you, did you, give, you gave your rating, Violent. Yes, yeah. statues. Yep. Uh, so that's Life is Strange. Uh, we're looking forward to... Whatever might come next with uh, Deck Nine. I'm not really looking forward to the Expanse game, to be honest. And they seem like they're like... like support yeah. for that game. I'm looking forward to whatever hopefully that they get to do next on their own. Uh, as I mentioned before, our next, we like to mention our next game for the next episode. Our next episode is episode uh, 105, which is we're going to start doing our co-op endeavors episodes on every every five. Not every five episodes, every, you know, 105 and then 115. Yeah, yeah everything that ends in five. That ends in five. So this one, next episode is going to be Grounded. We played it a long time ago, so we'll have to do some research on that, too. And as well, Brian, if you can remember, if there's anything you want to talk about specifically about Grounded, make sure you have it have it ready to go. So we are going to do a... And have a rating ready. And, uh, yes, and have, have you a, a rating ready, overall rating ready for Grounded. So we'll be doing uh, our next episode after this. If you've got anything, if you've played Grounded and you've got anything you want to share with us about your, ex- your experiences with Grounded or, or even a silly rating yourself, we'd love to have those as well. Uh, just send it to you know to the you know the the X or Twitter whatever crap you want to call it Instagram even Blake runs the Instagram uh, the email address anywhere Facebook you can write to us your little ratings and we'll we'll, try, we'll include those in the podcast if anybody writes in with that we'll wrap it up I want to thank uh, Jared and the guys of Emerge for letting us use the song Letting Go for the intro to our podcast it's pretty awesome sometimes I always say the best part of the podcast mm-hmm. uh, the guys have I think they've con- concluded touring for this year but I would go ahead and obviously follow them on all their social medias and stuff like that too to because uh, they got to be getting ready to do new, new music i would think after, well, all, after all this touring do you see that thing i tagged you in not yet there, yeah so it was like days ago he, he's doing the scream 
Yeah, he's on Facebook. My Facebook doesn't he was putting down some new, some new tracks, and it was him doing this awesome scream. Okay. I'll, I'll check my Facebook. My Facebook doesn't ping me when I get It tagged. was a while ago, honestly. Yeah, I'll have to look at it, I guess. I, I shared it, and Jared, like, thanks for sharing, man. But yeah, let's go ahead and end this, and we'll find it. Yeah, I'll find it after that. Uh, I want to thanks, thanks to Maladin Markovic, a.k.a. Devious Pixel, for the art for this podcast. He does art for other podcasts as well. Great guy. I should, I should really write in my notes what episode he was on. I believe it was seventy. Seventy, maybe. It's one of the one of the one of the tens. When you one of the episodes, he we had him on for a little interview. He was really sweet, it's a nice guy, great artist. So check that out. And uh, also thanks Brian for sticking around and editing the podcast and all all that good stuff. We definitely appreciate you doing that for us and lets me focus on editing the other the other podcast. So I appreciate that. Last but not least, of course, because the next because of the next episode in general, and just always uh, come you know come to twitch.tv forward slash two controllers, come to our streams and hang out with us. We're doing right now. We're playing Wo Long Fallen Dynasty, which is a, a Souls like from from Team Ninja. We've had a roller coaster of ups and downs. We almost quit playing we last almost, time. We almost we... quit. It's like that thing where we're like we're all sick of a particular part of the game, a particular boss, and we're like, "This is probably it, guys. Like, this is where that this is where this adventure ends." And then we beat the boss, and again, we're all we tried like, like three more times, and, we're and like, we, then we beat the boss, and just like, and we're like, "I guess we're going to keep playing then." <laughs> we keep on going. We're like near the near, getting near the end of it. I feel like near the end of the game. So, oh, you have to be. So the, any any wall, I feel like some of the uh, we did Dark Souls three, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then blow long, and I don't, I don't so, but I feel like these souls likes are sometimes the best. Souls, souls games in general, and souls likes can really just deliver really good roller coasters of emotions and content. I feel like for streams and stuff like that, just because of the nature of the games. But uh, come to those, hang out, follow us. Uh, we go, we try, we try to at least go go live once a week, and we can get our all base schedules lined up. Someone usually somewhere in the middle of the week, Tuesday yeah. through Thursday, somewhere. So, I like that. So that's all I got. We'll catch you next time with Grounded. And I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. With grains of sand in the rocks, you'll see the clocks of times that pass the good, the bad. Your life's a life you'll wish you had. But I could run, I could be brave. Nothing to save you, nothing to say. The good, the bad, the times you've had. The stops upon your lily pad. On your lily pad. Oh, over tides of pool.
Oh, yeah. 